did it rain at your place yesterday? Come on, somebody. <laughs> so good. So good. We were here. We had a funeral here yesterday morning, and, and I kind of felt bad on one end because it just came a gully washer while, while folks were coming in. But then I was like, you know what? I think it's okay. We've been praying for rain, and don't get so picky about what you pray for, Brown. You know what I'm saying? It was just a little sermon to me. It's so good to see your faces here today. Man, we got a great group of people here. So glad you're here. And I know there's a big group of you guys watching us online. On the count of three, everybody in the house, I want you to say hello to everybody watching us online. They can hear us, okay? You ready? One, two, three. There you go. So even though we're not physically here, we are connected digitally, and it is so good. Amen. Do you like who you're sitting next to today? It's your family. You better like it. If, if you say no, they can hear you, right? So glad that you guys are here today. We're continuing in this series entitled Promises. You know, the Bible is filled with promises from God. In fact, some scholars say there's just around 7,500 different promises that you can find from Genesis to Revelation. And what you find is God giving these promises to like normal people. I mean, that they were normal when they received them. Now, we consider some of them a little abnormal now because we know their story, but, but yet God shows up in their lives and just breathes the promise, speaks a promise, a declaration over them. You know, that's what a promise is. A, a promise is a declaration. It's intent that someone declares or speaks over someone or something. And when someone makes a promise, here's what's supposed to happen. There's, you, you're supposed to be able to trust them to follow through with that promise. We struggle with promises in our everyday lives because we're, we are people that make a promise and then we break them, right? Do you ever have someone break a promise that they made to you? That's so encouraging, isn't it? No, man, we don't like that. We don't like promises made and, and you know, that, that then they're broken. We're on this journey together through this series entitled Promises because I don't know about you, but, but it, it is so easy to get bombarded with so many messages in, 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 in the everyday life that it's confusing sometimes. Anybody felt confused over the last 25 weeks? Yeah. Anybody confused right now? Like, why did we show up? We could be in our pajamas at home watching this, right? Uh, but, but it's confusing. So for, for, for me, for me, this is a timely, a timely series because if there is something that we can count on in a world where conflicting messages sometimes change or people, people's opinions or what they said they would do, would, you can count on God's promises made to us. Amen? We, we've been looking over the last few weeks, we, we looked at a promise that God made early on in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy. He makes this promise that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that encouraging to know that God is with us and he will never leave us? We leave him sometimes, don't we? You ever done your own thing and left God? Come on, round of applause. Let me hear you. All right, just a handful. The rest of you are uber spiritual and always in intimacy with that. Amen. I, I've, I better clap on that because I've left him sometimes. We looked at this promise also that Jesus, or the word of the Lord says in 1 John says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just. And what will the promises, what will he do? Forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from our unrighteousness. Aren't you thankful for the forgiveness of God? Come on, by another round of applause. Who's ever screwed up in life? All right. 
More of you are screw-ups, okay? Yeah, most of you have screwed up. That's good. We love that. Those of you clapping at home and on the boat, thank you for joining us with that. Uh, We looked last week at this promise that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And then what's the promise? He will make your path straight. Aren't you thankful for that one? That when I trust in God, that when I lean not on my own self, and I know that we have a pretty high view of ourselves, don't we? And when I acknowledge him, meaning that when I let him be Lord of my life, you see, Jesus doesn't want to just save you. He wants to be Lord of your life. And when I give somebody lordship, that means that they're in control, right? That I let them take over my life. When I do those things, trust in him, lean not on me and acknowledge him, lordship, he makes the path straight. Wow. Doesn't mean it's always easy. And it doesn't mean that that path shakes out and looks exactly the way that that you want it to. But we can trust God. He's a man of his word. Amen. Listen, the Bible is filled with the promises of God. Do you believe them? If he said it, do you believe it? Man, he is worthy and he's never failed. And he's just as the band, all his promises are yes and amen. If he said it, we believe it. Well, I want to share another promise with you if you guys are okay with that today. Or or we can just talk about the weather or the political culture. No, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, Man, hey, listen. And I know that we all have differing thoughts and opinions, but listen, we can all love each other. Can we not? Let's just love. Let's, let's get back to that. Let's just, let's just love people, okay? Uh, so I want to share another promise from God with you if I can today. In John chapter 14, these are the words of Jesus. It's written in red in my Bible, so he said it, right? Jesus says this. Look what it says beginning in verse 1 of John chapter 14. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Here's the promise. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always, how how long? Always be with me where I am. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence with us today. We know you're here and we're excited that you're here because we know that when you show up, you change the atmosphere. Ooh, Father, change us today. Is that your heart's desire today, guys? Would you change us? Whether in this room or in living rooms or at campgrounds or soccer fields, wherever people are right now, Holy Spirit, show up and do what you do. We're here for you. We need a move of you right now. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Everybody said? Amen. Amen. I love that. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. That word trouble here in John chapter 14 means thrown into fear or anxiety or confusion. Do, do, Do we not live in that day and age where there's confusion? There's anxiety present. 
For, for, for some of you, even right now, if you're gut honest with yourself, you might even say, you know, I'm a little afraid of something, fill in the blank. That's, that's the culture we live in, right? We're hearing so many different messages and, and, and there's so many unknowns. And for some of us, I think for even some, some, some believers, some of us are just, we're troubled. So I love this word today. G- 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 Jesus is saying, hey, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. I, I think he knew that, that, that even in the year 2020, that, that there would come a time in our lives in which some of us would fall under that category as troubled. Jesus is speaking these words in the upper room with his disciples. You see, in John chapter 13, we read about Jesus telling his disciples to go and prepare a room so that they can share a meal together. It's called the Last Supper. The Lord's Supper is what's instituted there, but it's this upper room time. This is Jesus's final night on earth physically with his 12 chosen disciples. You guys know how the story unfolds. Many of you know that they shared a meal together. And after they shared a meal together, Jesus, it says, grabs a towel and wraps it around his waist. And, and he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. Can you imagine that? A task reserved for the house servant that would be present there. But there was no servant present that night. Jesus begins to humble himself and wash the feet of those disciples. All of them. Yes, even Judas, who was there. Jesus then takes, remember, a a, a loaf of bread and and says, this is my body and it will be broken for you. He said, I want you to eat this and I want you to remember me. Remember, he takes that chalice of wine and he passes around and said, this is symbolic of, of my blood that will be shed for you. All of these things must have been confusing and troubling to them. Would you agree? He goes on to begin to explain that, hey, there's one of you here that, that, that will betray me. And oh man, can you imagine how troubling that would be? What do you mean? One of us, the 12, we've been with you three years and you're telling us that someone here is about to sell you out? Yes. Judas realizes that Jesus knows it's him. We know that he leaves the scene here in John 13. Jesus continues in in sharing with his disciples, kind of preparing them for for what he knew lay uh, ahead of him. They can't really grasp it yet. But he says, you know, Peter, you're big and bold and you're pretty arrogant. But Peter, I'm going to tell you that before the rooster crows three times, or before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. You remember that? I'll never do that, Peter. Just trust me, bro. I love your your attitude, but you're going to deny that you even knew me. That's what's happening here before we get to John chapter 14, verse one. Can can you imagine then the significance of when Jesus starts and says, guys, listen, don't let your hearts be troubled. My body's about to be broken. I'm about to shed blood. I, I am Listen, you're going to leave me. You're going to deny that you knew me. But listen, don't let your hearts be troubled. I need you to trust God, the Father. Remember, I've been pointing towards him for three years. I've been speaking to him. You guys know that I don't do anything except that I see my Father in heaven doing. You guys have seen my times of prayer seeking my Father. Listen, you need to trust God. That might be a word for someone listening today. Listen, in the midst of a world that is chaotic and confusing, can I just encourage you? Trust God. Trust him. But if that wasn't enough, he says, guys, listen, 
I want you to know also, and this is really where I'm sure confusion and anxiety and worry, if they already didn't have it, this is really where it came. He says, I'm about to leave you. Goes on in John chapter, well, what do you mean you're about to leave us, Lord? Where, where are you going? We, we want to go where, 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 wherever you're going. Jesus is, is, is painting a picture of, of, of something that, that I think that is important for you and I to understand today. You see, everything that we experience in this world in which we live, everything that we experience in life, check this out, it's temporary. You know that, right? It's temporary. I, I shared a meal last night with, with, with another family in our community that, that now fall under, we, we have something in common. We are empty nesters. And we talked about raising those kids of ours and launching them and sending them off. And, and we have that thing in common now where we're, we're empty nesters. They have left us. And although I celebrate that, there's a part of me that says, you know what? I miss, though, those kids. I love my kids. Do you love your kids, parents? Be honest. Have you wanted to trade them in sometimes, though? I remember a time as my kid, when I was a kid, I said, man, I wish I had your parents. Can we trade parent swap, you know? I know that there are reality TV shows about swapping things in your family, but Jesus is now, if he's not really confused, he says, listen, I'm about to leave you. And, and Jesus is hammering home this point that I just shared with you. Guys, everything on this earth is temporary. The things that you experience now, the job, some of you are experiencing, the job that you had this time last year has now shifted and changed. What, what, what you could have depended on and counted on in this thing in life, the plans that you had made, the cruises and trips that you had planned, all of that stuff, poof, up in smoke right now, is it not? You know why? Because things on earth are temporary. And this must have really confused the disciples here in John chapter 14. We've been with you. Jesus, we left everything to follow you. And now you're telling us you're leaving us? Well, thanks a lot. What are we to do now? We left our families. We left jobs. We left our cities to... And now you're leaving? Everything on earth is temporary. And time and time again, Jesus was trying to stress that with his disciples. Guys, guys listen, we, 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 we need not throw all of our hope and our trust in this. In fact, Jesus would say, trust in the Father, but also trust in me. Because things are fleeting. Things are temporary on this earth. And I'm sure he must have wanted them to remember that first promise that I preached to you a few weeks ago, that promise of God in Deuteronomy. Guys, even though I'm leaving, please remember, I will truly never leave you nor forsake you. And as you read through John chapter 14 there, Jesus begins to go on to share with them that even though I'm physically leaving you, there is a gift that awaits you. Even though I'm physically going to be not present with you and I'm going to prepare a place for you, I want you to know that I still have you guys. In fact, I'm going to leave someone that, that through which you will do even greater things than you've done with me here. He's talking, of course, about the Holy Spirit. Start speaking to that in verses 16, 17, and then again in verse like 28, 29 of, of John chapter. Listen, I'm leaving physically, but listen, my presence will still be with you in the form 
of the Holy Spirit of God. You know, we did a study uh, about a year ago, I guess, during the, on, on the Holy Spirit of God. And, and, and I made a statement during that, and I think it's so true. The statement was this, Jesus inside of us is better than Jesus beside us. And we the th- and say it again. I made this statement that Jesus inside of us is better than Jesus beside us. You see, Jesus knew that his time on earth would just be temporary, but he still loved those disciples. And oh, by the way, he still loves you and me. And he leaves with us what he calls this advocate, this counselor, this helper that will still continue to be with us, even though he's physically not with us. Isn't that good to know? You know, I said yes to Jesus at the age of nine. I asked him to come into my life and be Lord and Savior. And from that moment on, God has never left me. Jesus has never left me. You know why? Because when I said yes to Jesus, he planted his spirit within me. Oh, those words. Hey, Jason, listen, I got you, bro. I'm never going to leave you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you know that you can't do anything to lose his presence. Now, you may not always be tapped in and dialed into his presence like you should be, but he's there. He's wanting his disciples to understand this, that I'm physically no longer going to be with you, but my spirit will be. Everything on earth is temporary. As I look at this passage, there are some things that I think are pretty important for us to understand today. Jesus told them, I'm going to go to prepare a place for you. But the promise was this, if I leave you to go do that, you can count on it that I will come back to get you so that you may be where I am. Hey folks, can I tell you something today? Jesus is coming back. You you want me to tell you when? We'll we'll talk about that in a few minutes, all right? But Jesus is coming back. If he said it, I believe it. And I hope that you believe that too. Jesus said he's coming back. The early followers knew that. They had seen him ascend to heaven after Jesus' resurrection from the grave. Y'all know that he rolled out of a tomb, right? Rolled the stone away and he's alive. A hundred different appearances over the course of 40 days. 500 different individuals seeing the resurrected Savior. They knew that he ascended to heaven and they believed, hey, if he went there and if he said he's coming to get us, we can count on that. And I'm telling you, that message hasn't changed today. Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? He said it. I believe it. Since the day he ascended to heaven, he's been preparing this place. And we have been looking for for 2,000 years plus. Believers in Jesus Christ, the bride, has been waiting for him. Jesus is coming. And if you belong to him, you don't need to be afraid of that. The bride, the church, As I look at this passage, we also need to be ready for that return of the groom. 
The, 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 the bride, the, the, the church oftentimes is referred to the bride of Christ. The, the, the church meaning, listen, just coming here does not make you a part of the bride, okay? It just makes you an attender and present with us. And we're thankful that you're dialed in or physically, we're thankful for that. But what makes a person a part of the family of God is declaring with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and asking him to come into your life to save you and be Lord of your life. When I did that at the age of nine, I was immediately thrust into this body of believers known as the church, and I became the bride of Christ. He's the groom. And I don't know if you know anything about in the Jewish culture about a bride and a groom, but, but, but when they were married, they did not immediately live together. What? That's weird. We live in a culture where doesn't matter if you're married or not, you can still live together. It seems like that's okay. But in the Jewish culture, they, 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 they would have the ceremony and drink the cup and, and become married. But immediately after that, the groom would leave the bride. She probably would stay with her family and, and in her home. And the groom would go to his father's house and begin to prepare a room for his bride. Sometimes this might take weeks. Sometimes this might take months, maybe even years. But the groom would go and add on to the family home. Now, I don't necessarily encourage that today. It's kind of awkward, you know, as newlyweds to still be living with mom and dad. Anybody know what I'm talking? It can just be weird, right? Um, But that's what happened in Jewish culture, that the groom would leave and he would go and prepare a room for the bride. And it was interesting that the father of the groom was the one that gave the stamp of approval on this home improvement. When the father of the groom thought, okay, this room is now ready. You've done a good job, son. Those Home Depot Saturday morning seminars have paid off. The room is now ready. Now go get your bride. Can you just imagine this bride not knowing when the groom's going to come? Will it be in the morning? Oh, he's late. Typical man, you know, he's always late, right? Or maybe, I don't know where you fall with that, but, um, or is it going to be in the evening? Or, but can you just imagine this imagery of, of the bride waiting for her groom to return? That's what Jesus is referring to here in John 14. He says, guys, listen, I'm leaving and I'm going to prepare a place for you. They understood what that meant when it comes to groom and brides and marriage and all that. They knew that. And they knew that the bride needed to be ready for when the groom returned. And and let me just encourage you. We should always be ready for the return of Jesus. I told you he's coming back. It's a promise. He said he would. I believe it. I don't know where you're at, but I believe it. He's coming back. And the challenge for you and I is that we should always be ready. Now, much like that bride, when it came to a Jewish marriage, she did not know when that groom would come back. Listen, we do not know the the hour. We do not know the day. We do not know the year that Jesus is going to come back. I get so bent out of shape when people say, I got it. I know when he's coming. I remember a few years ago, there was a billboard on I-35 as I would travel up to Dallas. And, and there was this 
group or an individual that, that gave a date, I'm going, bro, you better read the Bible. Because you know what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24? Jesus says, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son himself. Only the father knows. Guys, are you seeing something here? Okay, the father tells the groom when it's time to go back and bring your bride to this new room you've built for her. And it is only the father in heaven. Jesus himself does not even know when he will return to take us, the bride, the blood-bought, the redeemed home to be with him. And it's confusing then when I hear and see all these predictions about, oh, he's coming back. I, I hope he comes back this year, but I don't know that. This may be the last time that I preach a sermon to you because something may happen. He may come back. I would love that, but no one knows. Jesus himself doesn't know. But the challenge for you and I is that we've got to be ready. We must be ready because Jesus has promised that he will return one day. We need to live ready. Can I ask you a question today? Knowing that Jesus says he's going to come back and knowing that we should be prepared, we should be ready. Let me ask you a question. Would you be embarrassed if Jesus were to come back right now? Would you be a little tight? Oh my gosh, I'm not ready for that. I don't look, I mean, I'm not kept, I'm not made up. It's kind of like when you answer the door, you know, early in the morning and, and you've not even brushed your teeth and you're still in that old team building t-shirt that you got at the last, you know, workplace function, you know, your hair's a mess and you look gnarly and you hate to go answer. Would you be ready right now or would you be embarrassed if Jesus were to return? For some of us, maybe there's some stuff in our life that we know are at, is out of whack and it's not pleasing to him. We, 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 we are doing things that we know hurt his heart. Maybe our relationship with him is not as intimate. Maybe we've not, maybe there's someone that we know that doesn't know Jesus. And for whatever reason, we've made excuse, we've not made the time, and we've not shared our Jesus story with them. Maybe you're caught in a lifestyle attitudes or actions that, that you participate in and you would just, oh man, I would be a little nervous and embarrassed if Jesus showed up right now. For some of you listening here today, you've, you've never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life. And can I just tell you something? Listen, this place that he's going to prepare, it belongs to those who have said yes to him and asked him to be Lord and Savior of his life. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to be truthful with you. But coming to church does not make you a part of the bride of Christ. Being a good person does not make you a Christian. Hey, just because your mom and dad were believers and you've gone to church, listen, that does not make a person a Christian. You know what makes a person a Christian? It's the one who calls upon the name of the Lord. That person is saved. Father, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. I give my life to you. I want to stop doing the things that I know hurt your heart. And I want you to come in and take over and be Lord of my life. You see, Jesus is coming. And we need to live ready. 
It may be today or tomorrow. It might be this week. It might be sometime in the distant future. I know that all the events and the things happening in the world around us and even up in the cosmos, listen, they are indicators that the return of Jesus is very near. But I'm not gonna tell you the day because Jesus doesn't even know, much less do I. But I'm just telling you, things are lining up for the return of the King. Are you ready for that? It's confusing and it's painful and what we're going through right now is, is, is troubling to us. Oh, but we can hang on and take heart that Jesus says, hey, listen, I got you. Remember, I'm not gonna leave you and make no mistake, I will come so that where I am, this place I've been preparing for you, you may be also. And, 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 and by the way, the place that he's preparing for us is, is not the big deal. I, I remember growing up in a church and we used to sing a song that I've got a mansion just over the... You don't find the word that we get mansions in the Bible. That's not in there. That's a great song, but it's imagery, I think, that the writer's saying. I don't know if I've got an individual room. I don't know if mine's decked out with Michael Jordan posters because he is the best NBA player of all time. Thank you. I don't know what it looks like. Listen, what the place looks like that he's preparing for me pales in comparison to the one whose presence I'm going to be in. I know that we have some descriptions of what, of what glory is going to look like, streets made of gold and jewels and things everywhere. It's going to be something that we can't wrap our mind around. But listen, I'm not going to get caught up in that. I just want to be in the presence of the one that said, hey, listen, if I go to prepare a place for you, Jason, I want you to know something. I'm going to come get you so that you may be where I am. Are you ready for that? If he said that, do you believe it? Have you made room for Jesus? Have you said yes to, to his spirit's call on your life? Are you ready for him to come? If not, I pray that you would continue in this moment to let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do in your life. I pray that if you've already said yes to him and there's some things that are going on that are not, listen, would you right now just create some space and some room for the Spirit of God to come and do what he wants to do?